are listening to the Calvary Church Podcast, where each episode features a life-transforming message that was previously recorded in one of our services. And now, let's join a service that's already in progress. Today's uh, message is going to be read from uh, our text. We're going to take our text from Romans chapter 8. I'm going to read verse 18. Romans chapter 8 and verse 18. And the Bible reads this so in the name of Jesus Christ. For I reckon that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. For I reckon that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. Today, I'd like to talk to you just several minutes on this subject, future glory future glory. Thank you, Lord, for your word, and I pray that you would bless those who hear them and that we would not just be hearers of the word, but also doers of the word. In Jesus' name we pray, amen and amen. Some time ago, I had the privilege of speaking at a men's conference in Santa Ana, California, and while I was there, they interviewed the bishop of that church. And one of the questions that they asked him was, Bishop, in your opinion, what is one of the greatest weaknesses of the men of this generation? What is one of the greatest weaknesses of the men of this generation? Well, Bishop Aguilar's answer had a deep effect on my life. He said, um, I believe that one of the greatest weaknesses of today's younger men is that they are so consumed with the here and now that they no longer have windows to peer into the eternal. Friends, I'm telling you, when I tell you, I thought that he was going to, uh, you know, say what you normally say to men in this generation. You have no prayer life. You, you have no dedication. But when he gave this answer, it absolutely rocked my world. We are so consumed with the here and now that we no longer have windows to peer into the eternal. My friend, that answer is still rocking my world today because more than ever before, I have come to the realization that we have lost our windows to peer into the eternal. We have lost our sight and our vision of heaven. And as a result, our passion for this life is at an all-time high, while our passion for the life to come, it wanes day by day in comparison. You see, it doesn't take a scholar to see that just one look at Christianity's history gives us reason to believe that part of what characterized that first century church was their passion and their hope for the second coming of the Lord and the eternal life that was to come. That's what drove them. That's what motivated them. They had windows where they peered into frequently into the eternal, and they often fantasized about the life to come. See, for three centuries straight, the hope of Christ's coming, it burned so brightly in the hearts of believers that 
historians tell us that it was considered heresy in the first three centuries for someone not to arduously desire the Lord's return. No, no, no. I need you to think about what I just said. I didn't say if you didn't think that God was coming back, that that was heresy, because that would still be heresy today. What I said was, if you did not arduously desire the coming of the Lord, it was considered heresy at the time, worthy of excommunication. You see, to desire the coming of the Lord passionately was very much ingrained in the DNA of that first century church. That's why Paul wrote to Titus, one of his sons in the faith, and he said, looking for that blessed hope and the glorious appearing of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. Titus, it's not enough to be reactive when he comes, but you have to be proactive as you're waiting. You have to look for his coming. And then he wrote to another one of his sons in the faith called Timothy. He said to him, while he was awaiting execution in a jail cell towards the end of his life, Paul told Timothy in 2 Timothy 4, 7, and 8, he said, I have fought a good fight. I have finished my course. I have kept my faith. Henceforth, there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, shall give me at that day, and not to me only, but unto all them also that love his appearing. Wow, to them who love his appearing, not just to them who know about his appearing, not just to them who have heard of his appearing, but to those who love his appearing, whose heart and affections have been moved by this event so much that they are proactively looking forward to it. They are desiring his appearance. You see, the writer of Hebrews tells us that Christ was once offered to bear the sins of many, but then he says, and unto them that look for him. I saw another translation. It said that eagerly await him unto them that eagerly await him. Shall he appear the second time without sin unto salvation? Oh, brothers and sisters, it's not enough to hear about it in Sunday school. It's not enough to just sing about the Lord's appearing. It's not enough that your grandmother told you about it at some point. But Paul repeatedly tells you and tells the church of the first century, you've got to look for his appearing. You have to love his appearing. You have to desire his appearing. You have to wait on his appearing. See, the lively hope is what gave evidence of true faith in them. The lively hope that they had that Jesus Christ was coming soon, it's what gave evidence of their faith. What was that lively hope? That lively hope, as 1 Peter 1, 3 tells us, it says, God has begotten us again unto a lively hope by the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. What lively hope are you? 
you talking about, Peter? Well, that lively hope is to see him face to face. It is not the hope of escaping judgment. You know, it is not the hope of escaping hell, although that is a good thing. But that's not the lively hope that is in us. Our eager desire for the Lord's return is because we are going to see him face to face. The joy produced by an escapist mentality, one that says, well, I got to get out because I've got to save myself. That's not the lively hope Peter was talking about. The hope that Peter is talking about is a hope of seeing him. And there is a phony faith that wants only to escape from the wrath of God, but has no desire to see Jesus Christ. That is a faith that does not save, but the faith that saves us is a faith that looks at Jesus as treasure, looks at Jesus as hope and joy, and says, oh Lord, I can't wait to see you. You you see it all the time nowadays on social media, a girl that's in a long-distance relationship with her boyfriend, and you see it all the time nowadays. 38 days until I see my man again. You know, 23 days until I get to go to the airport and see my boo again. Oh, 13 days until I hold his hand. Woo, three days and I just got my nails done and I just got my hair did because three days before I see my boo, I can't wait to smell his call. You see, let me tell you something. When you truly love someone, someone. You're not just going to be at the airport. You know, if you come, you come. And uh, that's not, no. When you're in love with somebody, you await them. There is an eagerness about it. You are eager. You are diligent. You are proactive in it. You are announcing to the world, oh, my boyfriend is coming. My man's is coming. I can't wait until he gets here. And that is what the bride of Jesus Christ should be doing as we are eagerly awaiting his coming. We are loving his appearance. Oh, we love the gifts. Thank you for the gifts. But the gifts are not enough. Although we love them, thank you. But that's not enough. We want to see you face to face. We want to see you face to face. I'm going to tell you, this pandemic right now, I'm going to tell you what people are scared of, what what people come face to face with during this pandemic. It's the reality that they don't know what's going to happen after death. It's the reality that is there life after death? Am I ready? They are, they are, they encounter their own mortality and the fear of death begins to grip them. That's what happens during a pandemic. I'm telling you, but we who are born again unto a lively hope, we are here to testify we have been cured from the fear of death. Oh, death, where is thy sting? Grave, where is thy victory? We've been cured from the fear of death. We look forward to the day where we will see Jesus face to face. Let me talk to you about that first century church. The first century church was a persecuted church 
church, persecuted Christians who were killed like lowly animals. They were killed like criminals, and yet they remained unshakable in their stance. They were publicly scourged. They were stoned to death, thrown to the lion's den to be eaten alive. They were dragged naked through the city, tied to the, to the tail of a horse. They were burned in large pots of boiling oil because they refused to deny their Christianity. And why did they suffer these atrocities when all they had to do to stop from being killed was renounce their faith? And I'll tell you why. It's because to them, to live was Christ and to die was gain. They were invigorated by their vision of the life to come. You see, one way or another, in their mind, they were convinced that they were going to win because if you kept them alive down here, they were going to complete God's will and preach the word of God. But if you killed them, they had a lively hope that this world was not their home and they would see their lover face to face. How do you deal with a people like that? How do you deal with a people who are unafraid of death? How do you deal with a people who are not intimidated by losing their life, who do not lose sleep over the threat of their death? They were driven by a hope. They had windows where they frequently peered into the eternal. They were unafraid of death. And I need you to capture that thought for a moment. See, there were mothers who watched their sons get beheaded in a world that persecuted and killed Christians. And yet they counted it an honor to suffer martyrdom for God's name's sake. Do you know why? I'm going to tell you why. Because they were energized by the thought that the life to come, the life to come, all oh, the sufferings of this present world could not compare to the glory that was going to be revealed in them. They were invigorated by a future glory. They were energized by the life to come. You see, there were some that were tortured. The book of Hebrews talks about some of the Old Testament saints, and it tells us that some of them were tortured, not accepting deliverance. Why did they not accept deliverance? Because the saints of old and the saints of new, we all know and have this hope. This is why, because they were waiting on a better resurrection. They were waiting on a better resurrection. That is still our hope in today's time. That is still our hope in today's world. We are awaiting a better resurrection. No, the threats of death could not stop them because they heard men preach to them. If the dead rise not, this is the apostle Paul in 1 Corinthians 15. If the dead rise not, then why do we stand in jeopardy every hour? And, and what did that mean? What did that mean? In other words, the reason we stand in jeopardy. The reason we're being persecuted, the reason we stand in ridicule, the reason we stand in affliction is because we have a hope 
that someday the dead in Christ shall rise first and we that remain will be caught up to meet him in the air we have a hope that someday the last trump is going to sound and we shall all be changed in a moment in a twinkling of an eye at the last trump for the trump shall sound amen listen I'm telling you this is the hope that the first century church has it is still the hope that you and I ought to have in this last day and for those people who have misconstrued Paul's writings to preach a prosperity gospel nowadays hyper prosperity you know come to Jesus and he's going to fix all your problems come to Jesus and he's going to give you material gains and he's going to give you this and if you give so much God is going to triple and quadruple so much and he's going to give you houses and cars and things. Listen, I, 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 I'm going to tell you this. It, it, listen, I could, I could give you about a thousand scriptures to contradict this, but I'll just give you one right there in, in, in 1 Corinthians 15. Paul says, if the dead rise not, and then there's some verses where he goes off and tells you uh, different things about why he believes the dead shall rise. But this is one of the things he says. He says, if the dead rise not, then let us eat and let us drink for tomorrow we die. Let us eat and let us drink for tomorrow we, in other words, let's enjoy as some people would have it, our best life now. I'm living my best life now. And because tomorrow we die, that's it. You go down to the grave and there's no more tomorrow. That's all we have. Listen, what Paul was intimating here is that a preoccupation with the pleasures of this life can only be found in people who don't believe that there is a life to come after this one. Don't you see it? This generation has an obsession with money. It has an obsession with pleasure. It has an obsession with power. It has an obsession with sexual gratification outside of marriage. And this is all a witness to their lack of belief in an afterlife to come with Jesus Christ. Oh, friends, you who are listening to me right now, touch your neighbor, touch somebody, touch the couch, touch your fridge, touch somebody and tell them right now that's the spirit of the day life is short and then you die and there is no tomorrow stop your suffering drink act the fool party get high fornicate waste your life covet money engage in orgies do all of it drink and be merry enjoy the pleasures of sin be merry because tomorrow you will surely die this is all there is and I mean, if you believe that the life you are living now is your only life, that will probably be your lifestyle of choice. You know, like Ricky Martin said, uh, you know, uh, you're living la vida loca. That's what you're doing. You're living the crazy life. Drink and be merry. Party it up. Enjoy it. There is no better life to
tomorrow. This is all you're going to do. From that mindset comes the saying, you only have one life to live. YOLO. You only live once. Usually that's what people say to justify a reckless lifestyle. YOLO. You only live once. But oh, I'm going to tell you for those who have been born again unto a lively hope, the thought that ought to make you shake your head in disgust. This is not my only life. I have a home beyond the grave. I have a blessed hope beyond this life. This is not my only life. And I'm going to tell you for those who want to preach the prosperity gospel as though things and possessions and material things is all there is to life right now. I'm going to tell you what, I dare you to preach that gospel to a first century church mother who just lost her father or her son or her husband, get decapitated in a lion's den somewhere, get eaten alive. I dare you to preach that gospel to don't worry, ma'am. God is going to give you double for your trouble. God is fixing to, to give you things. You, I'm going to tell you what, she would have slapped you so hard and said, the devil is a liar. I didn't lose a husband and a son so that God could give me a better house and better mansions in this world. Uh-uh. I'm awaiting. I'm awaiting my better resurrection. I'm a, they counted it in honor, the Bible said to suffer martyrdom for Christ's name's sake. They counted this in honor. Do you know why? Because they believed that there was a greater life to come. I'm telling you, Paul was implying here that if the dead do rise from the dead, and they do, then you have to live your life today as if your best life is not today, but your best life is tomorrow. It is what is coming next. You see, Paul also said, we faint not. We faint not. Why don't we faint, Paul? And he, he was talking here to the church in Corinth who were doubting his, his you know, apostleship. They were saying, you're not an apostle because you suffer, you suffer, you know, death, you suffer uh, uh, weakness, you suffer from sickness, and you're, you're, you're half dead most of the time. You can't be an apostle. And he said, you know, my outward man is perishing, but my inward man is being renewed day by day. So I don't faint about those things. And this is what he said. He said, for my light affliction, which is but for a moment, it works for me a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. This is a light affliction. Amen. I'm preaching to somebody right now. This is a light affliction. Oh, what's coming next is a heavy, a heavy weight of glory. But right now you're going through a light affliction. But hold on. This coronavirus is a light affliction. Coronavirus is a, is a, is, is a temporary thing. Our light affliction, it is just but for a moment. This is a for a moment thing. But hold on. 10,000 years from now, you're not 
not going to be worried about coronavirus. 10,000 years from now, you're not going to be worried about death. 10,000 years from now, this world will not be in your mind. I'm telling you why, because this world is not my home. My citizenship is in heaven. Somebody get up and high five yourself and say, bless the name of the Lord. Amen. My citizenship is in heaven. I've got a home way beyond the grave. I've got a home beyond the grave. I'm sad to report to you that the thought that this world is all there is has inconspicuously crept up into our Christian mindset. Woo, how many brothers and sisters I know of that are scared out of their mind right now over this coronavirus pandemic, you know, and you are a brother and a sister in Christ and, oh, watch out, we can't go help and we can't do this. And now, now I understand we've got to follow the, the, the uh, uh, you know, the law of the land. I understand that. And we've got to be careful and we've got to set an example and model, you know, good citizenship in this world. Uh, absolutely. But don't let fear drive you. Don't let fear be your driving force. Amen. I'm telling you, we've got a home beyond this grave. Hallelujah. And even Paul himself said that not even death can separate us from the love of God, which is in Jesus Christ. Not even death can separate you from that love. Amen. This, this thought that this, there's all, this is all there is has inconspicuously crept up into our Christian mindset because more and more we hear preaching about earthly prosperity. You know, and may I be frank, prosperity in this life has its place, but we have replaced a passion and a deep longing for the life to come with God wants to bless you. God wants to heal you. God wants to prosper you. God wants to give you wealth. God wants to enlarge your territory. God wants to give you double for your trouble. Listen, I believe in all that. I believe that if God wants to, he will do it for me. And I accept any and all blessings that come my way, earthly blessings. I accept all of them, but the greatest blessing that could ever come my way. Hey, listen, not even the casting out of demons is a blessing big enough. Amen. That can compare with the life to come. Jesus told his disciples once they came to him and said, Oh Lord, we, we cast out demons. And he said, Woo, listen, you're telling me I beheld Satan when he fell from heaven like lightning. I saw the, I saw the cream of the crop, the biggest one of them all fall from heaven like lightning. So you're going to tell me about casting out demons, but he said, don't rejoice over, you know, your devil is subject to you or you're casting out little demons out this place. That's not, that's not what ought to cause you joy. You ought to be joyful over one thing and one thing alone. Be joyful that your name is written in heaven. Your name is written in heaven. That's what ought to bring you joy. And I'm telling you, church, that's what ought to, that's what makes you wake up in the morning. Amen. That ought to be what wakes you up. That ought to be what keeps you on your day. You have a lively hope and there are present ram. It's not just for future. There are present ramifications 
entrance to a lively hope. When you have a hope, when you have a hope of things you cannot see, you look forward to them in your present life. It keeps you from being depressed. It keeps you from being down. It keeps you from being scared. It keeps you from fear. There's a lively hope and there are present ramifications to that hope today and in the now. Amen. My hope is not in things. Things come and things go. My treasure is in heaven because that's where my heart is and there the thief cannot break in and steal and so I'm telling you right now church lift up your hands wherever you are your redemption is nigh you lift up your head you lift up your countenance and you say even so oh Lord Jesus come oh even so come I was at a Christian bookstores and I saw a whole section at a Christian bookstore and it was called self-help self-help. Can you imagine that? Don't you see that self-help and Christianity is an oxymoron? Amen. Listen, Calvary itself proves to you that you can't help yourself. The Bible says our help is in the name of the Lord who made the heaven and the earth. Whole sections in Christian bookstores. Oh, come on, self-help. You'll find books in the Christian bookstores there. I read some of the titles. One of them was Inspiration for a Ridiculously Good Life. Another was The Law of Happiness, Discovering the Path to an Abundant Life. There was another that said, Accept Yourself, Boost Your Confidence, and Change Your Life in Five Days. In fi- and Listen, I can go on and on. Woo, I gotta get that book if I, can, if I can get all that in five days. But listen, I can go on and on with these so-called Christian books that show a startling preoccupation with this life and the here and now. That is not what the first century church was listening to. That is not what they were reading. They were not reading on three steps to live in prosperity. They were not living on how to name it and claim it in Jesus' name or how to get tired about the prosperity of the wicked and go and take it and start enjoying your own. No, forgive me people if that's what you think the Bible is all about but the first century Christians they were not enamored they were not accustomed to hearing preachers uh, preaching about the here and now and the pleasures of the here and now they heard it being preached repeatedly the things of the world are temporary they should not hold your affections captive they should hold fast to their blessed hope your citizenship is in heaven your treasure is in heaven. Amen. Those who were laid down to sleep, who believe in the Lord, they are in paradise right now. These, these are the words that they were listening to. They, they, listen, they heard sermons on the light afflictions of this world are but for a moment, but those afflictions are working in you are far more exceeding an eternal weight of glory. Bless the name of the Lord. Our first century 
brethren were so enamored and they were so obsessed with the life to come that according to some historians, they said that even their greeting remark, it was not praise the Lord as we do today. It was not, you know, God bless you as they were leaving. And and those things are appropriate. Uh, Some say the peace of Christ, you know, in Spanish, paz de Cristo. That is not their greeting. That was not their greeting as we appropriately practice today, but rather the greeting of the church in the first century as they greeted each other and as they left was Maranatha. Maranatha. Do you know what that word means? It was an Aramaic term to mean our Lord is coming. Our Lord is coming. I don't know about you, but that order, I I wish somebody had a Maranatha in their spirit. I wish somebody had a, our Lord is coming in their spirit. Instead of letting this pandemic, you know, uh, uh, get your countenance down, why don't you lift it on high? Why don't you look towards the skies? Why don't you say there will be a day where there will be no more weeping. There will be no more trial. There will be no more tribulation. Why don't you lift your countenance up and say, even so, Lord, come, even so, Lord, come. My God, the old timers used to sing it. They said, this world is not my home. I'm just a passing through. My treasures are laid up somewhere beyond the blue. The angels beckon me from heaven's open door, and I can't feel at home in this world anymore. Are you ready to get rid of this thing, of this virus and all? But I'm telling you, I'm, I'm ready not just for this to be gone. I'm ready as well. Listen, oh Lord, if, if you your will is for us to stay and continue to preach and, and gather as many saints as we possibly can, then that's exactly what we will do. It is also part of our calling and part of our love. But Lord, if you decide that you want to come, then oh God, this world is not my home. Not with coronavirus, not with not with debt and bankruptcy and divorce and pain and illness and sickness, not with any of that stuff. This world is not my home. I can't wait till the day where he will wipe away the tears from our eyes. I can't wait for the day when there will be no need for the sun for the light that shines from the throne will be the light of glory. I'm telling you, hold on my brothers. Hold on my sisters. This is a light affliction. This is a uh, an affliction but for a moment, but oh, you've got future glory that's coming. You've got a glory that the devil can't take from you. He can't take from you. God gave it to you. You were baptized unto a lively hope. You repented unto a lively hope. You received the Holy Ghost unto a lively hope. Right where you're at right now, would you lift your hands even right now and would you go before the Lord with me? Father, I pray that you would put this lively hope inside of every heart. 
that you would put this lively hope inside of every every single person's soul. Oh God, you have placed eternity in our hearts, the, the Bible reads, and I pray, oh God, that we look up towards the sky every single day proactively as we wait for your coming, that we say, even so come, Lord Jesus. We can't wait for our lover to come. We can't wait for your return for your people. Lord, you have come to defeat the fear of death in us. And I pray, oh God, that we are not just enamored with teaching people how to live right, but also that we teach them how to die right. God, that they're going to die in you, that they're going to die knowing that they have a hope beyond this grave. And I pray these things in Jesus' mighty name. Come on, come on and reach out. If you want to pray, pray. If you want to intercede on somebody's behalf, somebody that, go ahead and do that. If you want to pray over a loved one that you're thinking about, even now God's bringing to your attention that they may also have this hope. Go ahead and pray along with that as well. This is a lively hope that God has placed in your heart. Eternity is in your heart. Our King is coming soon. Our King is coming soon. Oh, praise the Lord. Oh, God. And as we close this service, Father, I pray that you would also be so kind as to remind us from time to time of this hope. Lord, as we come together, as we begin to come together to the house of the Lord, we don't know how long this is going to take, but as we start coming back to the house of the Lord, I pray that our services would be packed with Holy Ghost revival and a remembrance of what it's going to be like on that first day when we open up our eyes and we are in a future glory, a home that we were built for, an eternity that we were built for, and to see you face to face. And we pray these things in the name of Jesus Christ. God bless you so much. And I pray you were blessed today. Please continue to pray if you want to continue to pray and let God move right where you're at. God bless you. Amen. This podcast was brought to you by the Calvary Church in Cincinnati, Ohio. For more information about the Calvary Church, please visit our website at www.thecalvarychurch.com. Consider joining us for a service where you will find friendly people, high-energy music, and life-transforming preaching and teaching from a biblical worldview. You can find our podcast on iTunes, Google Play, or on our website at www.thecalvarychurch.com. Until next time, Thanks for listening.